Well, good morning again. So glad that you're here this morning, and uh, if you're watching online, we're glad that you're joining us this morning as well. We know uh, there's lots of sickness, lots of bugs going around lately, and that has certainly affected us as it has everybody else in Lincoln, and so I know a number uh, are homesick and are watching on the couch, and so we say good morning to you. Glad to have you with us this morning. Uh, I want to start out this morning with a question. Are you ready? Here's, here's my question, all right? What are you expecting of God right now? Think about that for just a second. What, what, what are you personally expecting God to do in your life right now, in, the, in this morning, in the, in the coming days ahead, in the weeks ahead, what are you expecting God to do in your life? I want you to just kick that around for a moment. And we'll come back to, there, uh, to that in just a second. Uh, we're launching into a brand new series this morning that we're calling Expecting God. And it revolves around that question of expectancy. What do I personally expect for God? I, I believe, and God's just really been working in my own heart, that this is to be the year of expectation. That, that as we launch into this new year, that we do so expecting God to move in our own lives. So this is an important question. What is my, because if God is going to move corporately, he moves individually first. So what is my personal expectation of God? There's a, a very important universal law that is actually called the law of expectation. The law of expectation says that you and I, we tend to get whatever it is in life that we expect to get out of life. Uh, in fact, there's a, a very famous psychologist by the name of Erickson that kind of formulated this law. But he said, you know, we, we expect in life, we tend to get whatever we expect out of life. In other words, we, we tend to see whatever it is we expect to see. We tend to hear whatever it is we expect to hear. And we tend to feel whatever it is that we expect to feel. Now, let me just give you an example of what I'm talking about this morning. If you are a person who lives with the expectation that there's no way in the world that anybody could ever love me, that, you know, they're always going to let you down, you know, people are only going to betray you and hurt you, if that's the expectation that you live with, then, and unfortunately, there are a lot of people who live with that expectation, but as a result, more than likely, you will interpret everything you see, everything you hear, everything you feel in such a way to reinforce what you already expect is going to happen. You, you'll see and hear and feel things that validate, you know what, I was right. You can't trust people. They'll only hurt you. They'll only let you down. And then on the other hand, if, if you live with the expectation that most people, while they're not perfect... They are good, and you expect that rather than being harmed, it's actually a benefit to be in relationship with other people. Uh, again, more than likely, you will interpret what you see and what you hear and what you feel through that lens, and as a result, more times than not, you'll get what you expect. You'll, you'll find that relationships with other people are mostly positive. Why? Because you get what you expect. And so this is the law of expectation. It's a, it's a universal law that says much of what we experience and accomplish in life is based upon what we expect 
to experience and accomplish in life. Well, guess what? What is true in every other area of life is even more so true when it comes to spiritual things. Listen, because this is really important. The Bible teaches us that what we get out of life spiritually, how we experience the activity of God in our lives personally, it is directly related to the measure that we expect to experience the activity of God in our lives. Let me give you another word that we sometimes use for this word expectation, um, especially in the context that we're going to be talking about it for the next three weeks or so, and that is the word faith. This law of expectation is actually the law of faith. Listen to what Jesus says about this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. Jesus is speaking these words as he's in the process of healing a couple of blind men. These two men have come to Jesus and they're wanting to be healed. And so he asks them this question. He says, do you believe that I can do this? And they're like, well, yeah, Lord, we believe. I mean, that's why we're here. And and listen to what Jesus says. He says these words, according to your faith faith, let it be done to you. According to your faith, let it be done to you. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, what you are about to receive from me is directly related to what you expect to receive from me. If it's healing, then you'll get healing. If it's not, well then, you see, this is the law of expectation. And, and, and some of you, you know, you you're not, don't look so sure on this, so let me give you a, another passage of Scripture. Uh, a few chapters later in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus has been traveling around and he's been doing all these miraculous things. Um, he, he's, he's made the blind see, he's cast out demons, he's made paralyzed people walk. In fact, in, in, in uh, chapter 9, he even brought this dead girl back to life. And so he's doing all of these incredible miracles. And so he's traveling around, doing all these incredible things. And in the process of that, he decides to visit home for a while. And so he goes to his home, and as soon as he shows up home, boom, nothing happens. I mean, not many miracles. Uh, in, in fact, uh, in, in Mark, Mark says that, um, that uh, um, he, he just he healed a few sick people, but really nothing going on. And, and so he couldn't do a whole lot of miracles there except heal a few sick people. It was nothing on the scale of what he had been doing everywhere else. And, and so the question is, why? Why is that? Was it because Jesus had a bad day? I mean, maybe Jesus woke up that morning, that morning and he wasn't quite feeling like Jesus. No, that's not why. I mean, Scripture tells us, it's very clear, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the good news is, Jesus never has a bad day. Jesus always does what Jesus does. So, so it wasn't because of that. The problem wasn't Jesus. Listen to what Matthew says. He says, and he did not do many miracles there. Why? Because of their lack of faith. Mark says he was amazed at their lack of faith. 
God, I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to be amazed with me, but not for that. <laughs> he, he was amazed because their lack of faith. This is the law of faith at work, that what we experience spiritually is largely related to what we expect to experience spiritually. And so, Doug, are you saying that every time we pray and somebody doesn't get healed, it's because we didn't have enough faith? No, that's not at all what I'm saying. I mean, I mean, ultimately, all healing is up to God. And the reality is, is if everybody that we prayed for would get healed, then nobody would ever die. And, and Scripture is very clear that there is a time appointed for each of us to die and then face the judgment. But what I am saying is this, is that more times than not, I believe that we fail to experience all that God has for us because we do not live our lives with a life of expectancy. We do not live our lives with this sense of expectancy, which is why the question I asked earlier is so important. What are you personally expecting for God to do in your life right now? You see, I'm convinced that for a good number of good people, we, we, we live our lives with little or no expectation of God. I mean, it's not even on our radar that we could, we, could, we could daily experience the activity of God in our lives. And then, then we wonder why, you know, why is it that God seems so distant? We wonder why, why, do, why am I so stuck spiritually? Why is it that God seems so active in so-and-so's life? But, but I keep falling into those same self-destructive traps. Well, I wonder this morning, what would happen if each of us, if we just determined to live a life of expectancy? You know, when we don't expect anything, we don't get disappointed. It just, we don't get anything. And so what would happen if we all determined that we were going to live a life of expectancy, that no matter what we did, we just expected God? No, no matter where we were, we just expected God. I mean, when we prayed, we just expected God to answer. That when we gathered together in settings like this, we just expected to experience the manifest, tangible presence of the living God. What if every time we walked into this place, we did so with a sense of awe and wonder because we knew that we were about to experience the presence of God himself? What would happen if we launched out into our week, because we had, we had experienced the tangible presence of God in our corporate gatherings, what would happen if that was what propelled us and launched us into our week? And we just expected that daily that was going to continue, that every day when I woke up, the first thing I was going to do was I was going to encounter the living God. What if, what if every day I expected that because I was encountering God, he was going to continue to transform my life and change me and conform me and make me into the person that he created me to be? What if because we were operating in that 24-7, uh, 365, what if because of what God was tangibly doing in our own personal lives, it actually had an impact on the people that we came in contact with throughout the week? What, what if... What if? Man, there are, there are things to dream about. That's a good thing to dream about. I believe that's what God wants for us. And so that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few Sundays. But for this morning, uh, in the short time that we have left, I, I want to focus specifically on prayer. 
We're going to be talking over the next few weeks about expecting God when we pray, expecting the presence of God, and expecting the power of God. This morning, I want to focus in on prayer, expecting God when we pray. Recently, I, I read a couple of different surveys on the reasons why Christians don't pray more than we do. And I was, I was kind of shocked because um, studies show that on average, people who claim to be followers of Jesus spend less than 10 minutes per day on average in prayer. And so we're talking about, we're not just talking about anybody, we're talking about uh, people who claim to be followers of Jesus, people who have given their lives to Jesus, who sincerely want to follow Jesus, and yet spend less than 10 minutes a day with Jesus. And so why is that? Well, the studies uh, identified a number of different reasons, in fact, a, a lot of them. Um, but, but just to, to give you a few, you know, first of all, and this is really common, and, and we can all identify with this, is that people said, you know, we're just so stinking busy. I mean, I don't have time to pray. I, I mean, my, my life is so busy. I've got work, and I've got kids, and soccer practice, and basketball practice, and gymnastics, and I mean, life is just so busy, it's hard to find time to pray. Other people, you know, identified the reason why they didn't pray is it, it, it really boiled down to apathy, is that you know, my life, while everything may not be exactly the way I want it to be, it's tolerable. And so I get by. I don't really feel the need to pray. I'm not, I don't feel the urgency to pray. I'm not desperate enough. Uh, some other people said, you know, when I think about prayer, God is going to do what God's going to do anyway, so what's the use? I mean, what's it matter if I pray? God is going to do what he's going to do. And so there were all kinds of different reasons why people, why people didn't pray. But, but I believe, when I think about the primary reason why we who call ourselves followers of Jesus, why we don't make prayer more of a focal point of our lives, I believe that it 100% revolves around this idea of expectancy, our level of expectation when we pray. I mean, if I really believed that when I came before God in prayer, that he, he not only hears me, but he actually moves, he actually responds to my prayers, I'll tell you what, I don't care how busy I am. I don't care what's going on. I will find the time to pray if I truly believe that my prayers matter. If I truly believe that when I pray, that God actually takes my prayers and uses them to move heaven and earth, how could I be apathetic about that? I mean, there are things in my life that I need God to move heaven and earth for because I certainly can't do it. And so it all revolves around this idea of expectancy. And so again, the question is, what do you what do I, what do we expect God to do specifically in response to when we pray? Again, the reality is that if you don't expect a whole lot, you probably won't be disappointed. You'll get what you expect. I love what Pastor Jim Cimbala, pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, says in his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. He says, if we call upon the Lord, he has promised in his word to answer to, to bring the unsaved to himself, to pour out his spirit among us. But listen to what he says. 
He says if we don't call upon the Lord, he has promised nothing, nothing at all. He goes on to say, it's as simple as that. No matter what I preach or what we claim to believe in our heads, the future will depend upon our times in prayer. The engine that will drive the church, and hear this, people, the engine that will drive the church is prayer. It is the engine that will drive the church. So this is important. What we're talking about, this is, this is important. In fact, I believe with all of my heart that the greatest thing that any person in this building could do is to learn how to pray. The greatest thing that we could do. Someone once said that when man works, man works. But when man prays, God works. <laughs> man, I already know what I can do. I want to see what God can do. I already know what we can do. I want to see what God can do. And so when we pray, God works. And so I don't, I don't know about you and where you're at this morning, but this is what I know for me is, is I am determined. I want to experience all that God has for me. I want to experience everything that he has. Again, I already know what I can do. I want to see what God can do. I want to experience what he can do. And I don't know about you, but, but my heart's desire is I want to be a part of something that is way bigger than me. I want to be a part of something that when people look at it, they say, there is no way in the world that guy could have done that on his own. There is no way in the world that church could have accomplished that on their own. The only explanation is that God did something. Oh, that's what I want to be a part of. But that will only happen as we continue to develop and to learn how to pray and pray with great expectancy. So how can we do that? How can we, how can we develop or deepen our prayer life? How can we uh, pray with a greater sense of urgency, with a greater sense of expectancy? What I want to do this morning is I want to give you just, just four simple suggestions. And I promise we're going to go really quick through this. Um, but, but number one is this, wherever you are spiritually, determine to start right now. Wh wherever you are on your spiritual journey, just start now. Laura read in a, a magazine article the other day, said, how do you teach a dog how to swim? Just throw him in the water. And, and prayer is the same way, you know, you just learn by doing it. And so, so just begin right now. It doesn't matter where you're at on your spiritual journey. If you've just invited Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life yesterday, start today. I, I want to encourage you, commit yourself, regardless of how long you've been walking with the Lord, commit yourself to continue to develop in prayer. Uh, develop and spend time in the presence of God now. And, and even, if, even if, you know, if this is new to you, even if you just begin with five minutes every morning before you start your day off, some of you may say, you know what, I'd love to do that. I've tried that. I haven't been successful at it because I, I don't know what to pray, and five minutes seems like an eternity. Let, let me give you just a couple of uh, suggestions. The first thing that you could do and, and learn to develop this, if you're not sure what to pray, just pray that. Pray, God, this whole prayer thing is new to me, and I'm not even sure how to do it. Would you teach me how to pray? I mean, I'm not even sure what to say. Have, make that your prayer. And then pray that with expectancy that God will do what you've asked him to do. You, you think he wants you to know how to pray? 
Well, of course he'll teach you how to do that. Of course he'll answer that prayer. So just teach me how to pray. This is what the disciples did. In fact, there, there's, there's, there's a story in Scripture where, you know, they had heard Jesus pray, and when they heard him pray, they was like, dude, we don't know how to pray. <laughs> I mean, not compared to how he knows how to pray. And so the disciples came to Jesus, and they said, would you teach us how to pray like you do? And, and so make that your prayer. Teach us how to pray. Uh, another suggestion, if you're, if you're trying to figure out how to pray, um, this, this, is, this is a good one, and it's just, just pray what's in the Bible. And that's one of the things that we can do with Scripture is to pray what's already in the Bible. Open your Bible. A good place to start is with the red letters. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Everything that's read, Jesus said. I rhymed that. How about that? I was a poet and didn't even know it. <laughs> but just start with the red letters. The, the other day when I was thinking about this, I just popped my Bible open to Matthew, and it fell open to Matthew chapter 19. And the first red letters that I looked at in 19 was Jesus saying, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together let no one separate. Well how do you turn that into a prayer? God, you, you designed this thing called marriage. If you're married, you can pray this prayer. You designed this thing called marriage and you said that we're to be one flesh. That, that means that I am supposed to think about my wife and treat my wife the same way I want to treat myself. And I just confess, I don't do a great job at that all the time. So would you help me do better at that? I want to be a better husband. I want to be the kind of person that you want me to be. So would you just help me do that? I look further down. In, in verse 11, Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. Father, you said that not everybody could accept your word. I don't want to be that kind of person. Sometimes I don't even understand your word. Would you help me to understand it, first of all? And then would you help me to accept it and incorporate it in my life? See, you can take the scriptures and you can make them your prayer. And so I encourage you, if you don't know how to pray, just pray like that. Pray what he said back to him. So number one is, is start now. Contrary to popular belief, you do not have to be a spiritual giant to develop a world-changing prayer life. Thanks be to God for that because none of us are spiritual giants. Number two, this is, this is a good one. Surround yourself with people who know how to pray. You want to develop a prayer life where you pray with a sense of urgency and expectancy. Man, there is no better way to learn how to be a world-changing prayer than to hang out with people who are world-changing prayers. I can't tell you, I, I've been so blessed down through the years with the people that God has allowed me to learn prayer from. First of all, you know, I'm so thankful for my mom and dad. Uh, one of the first places that I learned how to pray was by listening to my parents pray. Which, which, by the way, parents, the best way to teach your kids how to pray is simply by praying with your kids. Man, one of the most important things that you could do is just pray with your kids. I first learned how to pray by listening to my parents pray. I mean, this is how kids learn how to talk, Right? The way that we learn how to talk is we're around adults in our lives, our parents, other people, and we learn how to talk by listening to them talk. 
We learn what words mean by listening to them. And prayer is the same way. And and so listen, parents, you are going to teach your kids one way or another. Either you're going to teach them how to pray by exposing them to prayer, or you're going to teach them that prayer really isn't that big of a deal by not exposing them to it. Pray with your kids. I think about my my grandpa Deal. He was another one that had a huge impact in my life. In in my my eyes, my grandpa Deal was a prayer giant. I mean, he prayed with with such confidence and authority. In fact, I, I remember back, whenever we would get together as a family, my grandpa would pray. And I remember as a kid just thinking, man, someday I want to I want to be able to talk to God the way my grandpa talks to God. My, my buddy Lonnie. He, he, he's the one, we had all these crazy adventures in Africa together, and, and he was the first one that I ever saw pray with his eyes open. I, up till then, I thought that was against the rules, you know? If your eyes are open, God's ears are closed. That's the way I thought it worked. But this guy, he actually prayed with his eyes open. And, and, and he, he talked, when he talked to God, it was just like he was talking to a friend, And I learned from from Lonnie, I learned as I listened to him pray how to talk to God as you would just talk to another friend. Listen, I don't think that I'll ever quit learning how to pray. I don't ever want to quit learning how to pray. I learn every Tuesday morning from my staff. Every Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock, it's become one of my favorite times of the week. We gather usually around this altar right here. And I get to listen to my staff talk to Jesus. And I learn from them as they talk to Jesus every time. Listen, we are so blessed that we have a staff that knows how to pray. We are so blessed that we have a staff that knows and is dedicated to spending time in prayer. Every Tuesday morning in that time that we gather around the altar, I hear them, and oftentimes I'll hear your names called out, them just interceding on your behalf. I'm so thankful that we have a staff that knows how to pray, and I learn from them every Tuesday morning. On on Wednesday mornings, there's a group that meets here at the church at 6.30 for Discipled by Jesus. And let me just tell you, these people are crazy. (laughs) They are. I mean, not just because they meet at the church at an ungodly hour in the morning. That's just a part of it. The the reason that these guys are crazy is that they actually believe that when they meet together, that Jesus is there with them. They actually believe that they're meeting with Jesus. And as they're talking, they're having conversation with him. I mean, it's crazy. We'll be in the midst of a conversation talking to each other, and all of a sudden, somebody will just start talking to Jesus. And I learn from them every time I get to listen to other people talk to Jesus. I learn how to be a better prayer by listening to other people. It's one of the best ways to deepen and develop your own spiritual prayer life. It's just just hang out with people who know how to pray. And by the way, speaking of that, That's why we've changed things around and really feel led to change what we do on Wednesday nights. That's one of the reasons why we're going to gather together. And our plan is just this. It's just to gather together to worship and to pray together in lots of different ways because there's lots of different ways that you can worship and pray. And so we're just going to gather together. And I want to encourage you. If you're you're 
interested in this, if you're serious about, you know what, I really want to see the activity of God in my life. I really would like to just learn how to pray better and become a better prayer. I'd like to pray with expectancy. One of the best things that you could do for yourself, one of the best things that you could do for your family, one of the best things that you could do for this church is to be a part of what's going to happen on Wednesday nights. And and listen, I'm telling you, it's not going to be boring. I don't know what your experience with prayer has been in the past, but it is not going to be boring. I mean, the hour is going to go like that. And and so we, you know, don't worry because... um, First of all, nobody's going to be forced to pray out loud. I know that's always the worry in a public prayer gathering and setting. It's like, oh, man, I'm not sure. I'll be embarrassed. Do I know what to say? I'll probably say something stupid. And so nobody's going to be forced to pray out loud. We want to build an environment where you can come and where you can listen and you can participate and you can learn. And don't, don't worry about the kids because we're, we're going to continue to have activities for them where they can learn and grow as well. And te- where's all my teenagers today? You're it. You're my teen today. So everybody's sick? Anybody? Okay. So spread the word. Spread the word. Because teenagers, we want you here. We, we want you here. I can learn from our teens. We can learn from our teens when they pray. One of the most, one of the most impactful things that I experienced uh, this past, uh, I guess it was October, when Pastor Justin and I went to Dallas for a, a prayer conference, one of the most powerful things I observed, I was up in the balcony, and I looked down, and, and, and right at the bottom of the balcony area in the walkway, there was a group of teenagers who, there was a time where we were encouraged to pray for each other, and there was this group of teens that was walking around, and they were laying hands on adults, and they were praying over them. It was incredibly powerful. One of the most powerful prayers, in my opinion, that was prayed publicly in that setting in front of uh, 13, 1,400 people was when a 15-year-old teenage girl was called up, and she prayed over the entire body. One of the most powerful prayers. Teens, we want you there. One of the best things that you could do for yourself is to learn how to pray. And so that's what we're going to do. And so we encourage you to come and be a part of that. And I, th- I believe that you'll benefit from that. Uh, I, number three. The, the third way that you can develop a deeper prayer life, a, more, uh, a prayer life with, where you pray with more urgency and expectancy, and this is, this is a really good one. Some of you might want to write this one down, is, is simply by turning your worry into prayer and your complaining into praise. Some of you need to write that down, okay? How, how many here know how to worry? How many here know how to complain? The the truth is that there are some of us who we have our masters in worry and our PhD in complaining. (laughs) Listen, if that's you, here's the good news. This is really great news. If you know how to worry, you already know how to pray. If you know how to worry and complain, then you have the potential to be a world-class, world-changing prayer. You know, you know what the difference between worry and prayer is? It's just simply who you're talking to. The, the only difference between worry and prayer is who you're talking to. When, when I worry, I'm talking to myself about the things I'm concerned about. When I pray, I'm just talking to God about it. 
if you know how to worry, you know how to pray. And so listen, we have a choice. Either we can take the things that concern us, and all of us have things in our lives that concern us. All of us have things in our lives that we wish were different. All of us have burdens that we carry, and we have a choice. We can either talk to ourselves about those things, worry, or we can talk to Jesus about them, pray. We can either talk to ourselves, which we've already proven we don't have the ability to fix them, because if we could have, we'd have already done it, or we can talk to the one who has the power to fix them, and we can pray. And so I wonder, what would happen in your life if you took all of the things that you worry about, and instead of wasting your time talking to yourself, instead you turned those into prayers? What would happen? What would happen if we spent the same amount of time praying that we spend worrying? Some of us worry all day long, man. There's something that's always on our mind. How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to fix it? What am I going to do? Oh, man, this thing's going to be terrible. I don't know how to fix it. What if we spend all of that time and instead just talk to Jesus about it? The same time, the same way. Num number four. And this is the last one. And it's simply persevere persevere. I, I said it's simply persevere. I know it's not simple. But, but it's, it's just persevere. I, I'm, I'm totally convinced that when it comes to prayer, many of us give up way too soon. I mean, if something doesn't happen in the, fir the, the first time that we pray for it, or better yet, if it doesn't happen in the first five minutes that we pray for it. A good number of us have the tendency just to throw in the towel and be resigned to the fact, you know, prayer just doesn't work. As much as the human part of us does not like waiting, I hate to wait. As much as the human part of us does not like waiting, waiting sometimes is a very important part of prayer. In fact, one of the things that I've learned about God is that he is never in a hurry. I mean, read through Scripture. Tell me a time where you read in Scripture where Jesus was like, man, we got to get going. I mean, there's, Jesus was never in a hurry. Even though we may be, he is not. And I know in this instant-centered culture that we live in where we're used to getting what we want immediately, you know, when we get it, I, I get it when I want it, prayer does not work that way. Prepare, prayer, listen, prayer is as much about what God wants to do in me as it is what I want him to do for me. That was good. Pr prayer is as much what God wants to do in me as it is what I'm asking him to do for me. In fact, it's probably more so about what God wants to do in me than what I'm asking him to do for me. And, and so the, the Bible teaches that what God really wants to do in us, what he really wants to do is he wants to build our faith. And one of the ways that he does that, I hate this, but one of the ways that he does that is by testing it according to Scripture. You see, faith is like a muscle. 
In order to grow, it has to be stretched and pulled. And, and just like muscles uh, develop when you test them against weights, our faith only develops as it is tested. Nobody develops faith by sitting on their blessed assurance. <laughs> you develop faith by having it tested. James chapter 1 verse 3 says that the testing of your faith develops perseverance so that you may be mature and complete. That there's just something about waiting upon God, pressing in, pressing in in prayer. The old timers used to talk about, they used to call it praying through. Essentially what they were talking about, they were talking about waiting upon the Lord, sticking at it in prayer, not quitting and giving up until the answer from God came. I'm going to keep praying until he moves. Praying through, pressing in, waiting and waiting expectantly. Expectant waiting is what increases our faith. It brings us into a deeper level of maturity. I love this idea and the imagery of the word expecting while we're waiting, especially when it comes to prayer. We have a number of families in the church right now who are expecting children, right? Right? In fact, two of our three pastoral families are expecting children. I'll let you guess which one is not. Make it very clear, Laura and I are not. <laughs> All right, so Pastor uh, Dustin and Julie are expecting a baby here uh, in the next couple of months, and, and Pastor uh, Justin and Abby. Did I, I always, did I say it right this time? <laughs> Justin and Dustin, what was I thinking? But uh, Justin and Abby are also expecting a child, and, and, and Dustin and Julie, because of technology, they already know they're, you're expecting a boy, right? And so, yay God, that's exciting, they're expecting a boy. Pastor Justin and Abby, they decided to do it the old-fashioned way. They have no clue what they're having. They, they don't know whether it's going to be a boy or a girl. They're just expecting a baby, <laughs> And while they don't know specifically what that baby will be, they know it's going to be good because it's going to be a baby. Prayer is sometimes like that. We don't always know specifically what God is going to do, but we know it's going to be good because it's God. You see, sometimes I think God is like, you know, we pray and we pray our best, best prayers, but I think sometimes God is like, oh, you silly boy. I've got something so much better for you than that. I mean, I know you're asking for what you think is best, but you silly, silly boy, you silly, silly girl, I've got something better. And so we can pray with expectancy and hope because God is a good God and he loves to give good gifts to his children. Oh, praise the Lord for that. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been waiting on God to do something in your life, whatever, whatever it is. Can, can I just encourage you this morning? Isaiah 64, 4 says this. It says, God acts on behalf of those who wait for him. God acts on behalf of those who wait on him. And so we can wait, 
with a sense of expectancy. And I want to encourage you this morning, be patient. Because the truth is that while you are waiting, God is working. You may not be able to see it yet. It may be behind the scenes. But while you are waiting, if you are waiting in expectation, in faith, God is working. And wherever God is working, great things are in store. Great things are in store. I love what it says in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. It says that if you call upon me, I will answer. And I will show you, as one translation says, unseen, unsearchable, unknowable things. Things that you don't already know. If you call upon me, I will answer. Praise the Lord. I want to invite the band to come. And as we wrap things up this morning, here's, here's what I'd like to do. I don't think that there's any way that I can talk to you about what I've just talked to you about without giving you an opportunity to put what we talked about into practice. And, and so we've got a few minutes before we need to, to end things this morning. And here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to just put into practice something that we talked about this morning. And there's lots of ways that you can do that. I'm going to invite you to have your own kind of personal prayer time with God and to pray with expectancy what he wants to do in your life, an, an issue that you've been wrestling with, something that's going on in your life. And you can do that a lot of different ways. I, I just want to invite you to get into a posture of prayer. That may be just where you're at. It may be kneeling where you're at. It may be on your face. <laughs> it may be coming down and kneeling at one of these altars here. You know, I love it that we have altars in the church, you know, that, that there's nothing magical about them. They're, they're a piece of furniture, but they're a great place to pray. There, there's something about getting on your knees before God, you know. It's kind of humbling. It's kind of it's recognizing that God, man, there's not a whole lot that I can do. I'm just going to humble myself before you because I believe that what I can't do, you can do. And some of you might want to do that this morning. Just, just get on your knees where you're at, at an altar. But I want to invite you as the band plays, we're gonna, they're going to play and sing to, to spend some time doing what we've been talking about and then Pastor Dustin will pray for us and give us a few more items of information. But uh, would, you, would you lead us this morning? you stand as we sing together. If faith can move the mountains, let the mountains move. We come with expectation, waiting here for you. You're the Lord of all creation, and still you know my heart. The author of salvation, loved us from the start. 
waiting here for you with our hands lifted high in praise and it's you
Father, we come before you this morning with an attitude in our hearts of submission, with an attitude of expectancy, God. And if there's anybody in this room this morning that has never experienced what this feels like, God, I pray that this would become contagious. God, that knowing that our ability to come before you and to bring our requests and our concerns and our worry to you, God, that you love that. That is what you desire for us. That is the type of relationship you desire from us. So God, help us as we move forward. Help us to trust you more. Build our faith. Stretch those muscles, as Pastor Doug said. We love you. We thank you. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Before you go, as you make your way back to your seats, we have these Connect cards. And we've decided to make some things on the back of here to just help you. To help you as you continue in your relationship with Jesus. If you're here this morning and you made the decision today, I know we didn't formally ask it, but maybe God did something amazing in your life. And you realize that you didn't even have a relationship with him and you decided to start a relationship with Jesus, please mark that on your card. We would love to know that so that we can get in contact with you and just help you as you walk in relationship with Jesus. But there's a few things on here that I just want to briefly go through. One, I commit to memorizing Jeremiah 33.3. That's the last scripture that Pastor Doug said. Memorizing scripture is a great way to learn how to pray. Because the more that you memorize it, the more that it becomes part of your soul and in your heart, and the more that it becomes ingrained in your brain, God, God uses that to stretch you, to stretch your faith. So commit to doing that. And then I know Doug talked about it, but count me in for Wednesday night prayer at 6.30. That starts this week. I truly think that that may be one of the most exciting things that we do as a church. We experience some amazing things here on Sunday morning. But an hour of nonstop prayer and worship, God can move. So please plan to be there. Just by checking that, it actually helps us know that, that we can expect you. <laughs> so please plan to do that. So make sure you fill these out. If you're a first-time guest, fill it out. There's a gift we have for you. We want to make sure that you have that. We also have a welcome lunch right after service. Lastly, if I can get it out, we've got these awesome wristbands that we made. It says, hashtag expect God, and then cp.church. They're free. We've got teenagers, handsome and gorgeous-looking teenagers, handing them out as you walk out today. So drop your Connect card in one of the containers, but pick up a wristband. We want this to be a constant reminder for you, because this is, this is new for some of us. And so we want to stretch our faith, and the more that you wear this and you look at it, the more you'll be reminded to just expect God in all that you do. So... Be blessed as you go. For those that are staying for the welcome lunch, we'll see you in a little bit. Uh, thanks for being here this morning. We'll see you next week.